Okay, it's your favorite bald boy, back with another episode. How are we all doing? I'm still recovering from dad syndrome. I don't know. I don't know what the thing is. New kid-itis. Now, I keep having these weird dreams that I'm in an elevator with a big window in it. And I'm near a beach because I see the ocean, and I go up in the elevator, but there's always this huge wave coming, and I can see it as the elevator goes up. And it's coming, and I'm, I'm trying to get the doors to close so I can get up, and I do it. But the waves keep coming, and they hit so hard that it drags down the elevator, and I'm banging the glass trying to get out while it goes underwater. How's that for heavy crap, huh? What in the absolute hell is going on? Didn't expect to get that heavy, but, you know, that's just the dream, you know? It's a dream, and uh, here I am. I uh, sit before you recording a podcast this week. We have one of my absolute favorite conversations. Uh, I'm joined by Estelle Bailey Bobenzine. She's the co-founder of Noah, along with her husband and previous guest, Brendan Bobenzine. She's also a designer, a mother, and a just like a creative force. We chat about her life growing up in the UK, working in the music industry, how entrepreneurship is overrated, which I agree, why she prefers designing public spaces, and the importance of scent. Yes, that's right, scent. Last but not least, we talk about using and utilizing the things we own and not just saving them for that special occasion. You know who you are. It's also me. <laughs> All right, let's dive in. Here we go. What's what's your morning? What's your morning routine? Um, right now we're doing like a cleanse. Uh oh. We saw a kinesiologist. Okay. It's been it's been it's really great. I haven't started all the supplements yet. I'm um, but you know it's it's to eliminate all the toxins and mold and candida and all the yucky stuff that gets built up inside of us, which you know leads to bloating and cancers and all that kind of crap. Yeah. So we are um, doing that an elimination cleanse, and then you add things slowly back. So at the moment, like whole thirty or. No, it's very okay. specific to, to each individual's body. So oh. like I can't really have raw vegetables. I have to have cooked vegetables. If I eat meat, it has to be early in the day. I can't have gluten or sugar or dairy. Eventually I will be able to, but sure. it's just like cleanse everything out and then, and take the supplements specific for me too, like natural supplements. Um, I hate taking supplements, but so I haven't even started that point yet. I've just started the actual food diet, which is yeah, eliminating the gluten, the sugar, the dairy, cooked vegetables. I'm lucky I can have nightshades. A lot of people like I can't have nightshades. Have you can't. Yeah. That sucks. Oh. I mean, I'll eat I it. Mean, I did it last night and I was like, well, I guess I just have to get up early and just deal with whatever that God. is. Gonna be. Yeah. So <laughs> we're doing that at the moment. Brendan's doing it too because he was just like, why do I feel shit every time I eat? And, um, you know, he just can't have gluten. Okay. I know we're going to talk about you, obviously. Right. But like, is that, because I, I feel like the cons, is it because of the engineering of food that people are, are more susceptible and have like less of a tolerance to certain foods? Or do you think it's like the evolution of like our gut biome? Like both. Okay. I think it's totally both. I think we've been um, the processed food yeah. and all the um, non-natural stuff and the way things are processed. Right. It messes with our biochemistry and our enzymes and then eventually it just sort of like retrains your body to be susceptible to, to accepting of certain things and non-accepting of other things and eventually your body just was like i can't take this anymore yeah and um yeah and then you start having crazy reactions to it like later on where you just feel like crap all the time or tired or you're putting on a lot of weight or your skin's freaking out and then ultimately Diseases. Yeah, we did. My wife and I did Whole30 a bunch of times, but we had to create code words for us because we would get in like serious fights over like the withdrawal food. <laughs> so crazy. We were like, we were like, okay, we're like, is, is this, is this a Whole30 fight right now? And we're like, yeah, okay. All right. Let's get, let's, let's give 10 minutes or so. And then, then, then we'll, we'll react. That is very, very conscious of you. This is, um, Whole30 is interesting. Yeah. But that's like raw juices and stuff, right? Whole30 is no uh, legumes, no gluten, no dairy. Um, I think it's like no soy. A lot of it is like plant-based and, and 
it's not necessarily raw, but it is plant-based and it's designed to basically reduce your dependence on like carbs and, and, and it's, it's not, it's not to lose weight. I'll say that if someone is going to hear this and they're going to be like, no, it's, it's not to lose weight. Yeah. It is, it's more to reset your relationship with food right. is what like people. So say. this is kind of a sim- similar thing. Yeah. Um, it's just very individualized and it, we went, we saw an, a kinesiologist. Okay. Um, do you know about kinesiology? I, I don't. It's, I was like, I'm going to pretend very, that I understand it's what It's very saying. scientific. It's okay. pretty amazing. Um, it's all based on electromagnetic fields and our, at a very cellular level. Oh my God. Okay. And, um, you know, it's what the crazy thing is, is that you don't even see the practitioners. They do it through a photograph of you and then they use a surrogate, like a third party through the photo. Oh, it sounds okay. really like mystic, but it's actually just science and physics. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of magnificent when you find someone who's good and doesn't mm-hmm. cost a fortune because it can be expensive, but it's incredible. Like my, Mom, um, where are you from? By the I'm way, I'm from England. I was born in Cheshire, raised in West Sussex, and then I moved to London and then to New York. When did you move to New York? 1999. Oh, I've been okay. here for half my life. I I was here. I was I was part of a work placement year. I was part of my degree. I studied fashion at Central Saint Martin's Commu- fashion communication and promotion, which is part of the BA fashion. But I produced a magazine instead of fashion collection so that was journalism photography art direction you know all yeah. of those things that are involved in a magazine because you're kind of like a, a juggernaut in in the fashion accomplishments you know i mean yeah. i think a lot of people know you for noah for for dream awake for you know your design but i mean the the life you had and yeah it was it's that. weird because he's like i was young i was like oh do i want to be a doctor or do i want to do fashion and and then <laughs> you know those, Were you getting pressure to do either or? Oh, I was really good in science at school. Really? So in school, like I was getting like A pluses in science. So I just felt, and I, you know, I love people. So sure. I felt, oh, I should be, should do it, be a doctor. But then just the hours and all of that time in the hospital, I just, I also just loved, you know, I'm a Libra, I like beautiful things, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like, I love fashion, I love clothing. Um, I loved interiors. I think even then at an early age, I loved interiors. I just didn't know that that was an option for me. So we didn't have an interior designer. You know, we weren't yeah, wealthy. Sure. I didn't, we didn't even have designer furniture. Right. So like, I liked the way things were laid out, but I, it was so beyond that I couldn't contemplate it for a career for myself. So I was thinking fashion. I love fashion. My aunties and my mom loved fashion and clothes. It was something that was in my life and accessible to me. So that made sense. Um, and then I ended up getting into Central St. Martins, which was a major accomplishment. Yeah. And um, at the time in London, the fashion industry was very, like, was not diverse. It was very much. What, what was the London fashion scene at the time in terms of, like, the designers and It was, like, or... Alexander McQueen had just, yeah. you know, John Galliano. Okay. White dudes. Incredible. But very cool, but very pretentious. <laughs> very white. Yeah. Tons of cocaine. Mm-hmm. None of the things that were in my orbit you know like I I was definitely having fun and going out and dancing but I wasn't taking drugs and I wasn't you know I wasn't from a private school and I was it wasn't into that whole like darling and all that kind of stuff I wasn't an old (laughs) I wasn't an old boy I could play along with it but it just didn't sit right with me and it also felt very um self-serving and I was just like what's the point of all of this not really helping anybody there's there's no it was very it just felt pretentious for the sake of being pretentious with no real end in sight. And I love the creativity. I mean, Alexander McQueen, John Gallian, incredible, beautiful, creative designs for sure. But the industry around it was just really self-serving. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wanted to do something more um, purposeful. Mm-hmm. And so I figured, well, what is my impact going to be? And I love music. And I felt, oh, music is something that impacts people's lives like as long as I'm feeling like I'm impacting people positively and contributing in a positive way Mm -hmm. then that's what I want to work towards and um so for my year out I managed to get myself a job here in New York doing um creative development at a company called Chiba Sound Mm -hmm. and we the artist there it's a small imprint label on Virgin Records and the artist D'Angelo and then we had Mark Ronson (laughs) And it was great. And I just got, you know, I just 
managed to make it work so that my my school would accept this work placement as yeah, a creative because yeah. I was doing you know fashion and this was music but still the creative overlap and the creative development and production of all these things it did they they accepted it the school said okay you can do that so I moved here for a year and um it was amazing you know just being here and being in the music industry at that time was yeah insane and working with such genuine artist like D'Angelo, who's truly doesn't care about fame at all. He's all about the artistry. And Mark too, Mark Ronson as well. And so that was super fun in those ways. But then it was also awful in that that was such a male-dominated, misogynistic environment. Yeah. Were you aware of how much that was like affecting you at that time? No. Or were you like, oh, this is just kind of the norm and it sucked? No, this was just, that was just the norm. Yeah. I was like, I had my rules for myself. Sure. No, sure. I wasn't planning to sleep my way to the top. <laughs> I was very yeah. much like, you know, I'm, this is me, this is my rule. But it was so much harder because ultimately it was a boys club. Yeah. And the women in that boys club were all competing against each other to get a seat at this boys table Mm -hmm. and had to be real bitches all the time. And eventually like a mentor of mine and a friend, he was a friend, you know, he was very established. Todd Moskowitz, he's a big music executive. And he was like, Estelle, you know, like I see you as somebody that wants to have a family and and kids and be married. And if you look at a lot of the women at the top of this industry, especially because I started managing my own group as well. Like that's that's the other part. It's like (laughs) love. And, and, you know, I'm still really good friends with the two girls now, but um, yeah, we were traveling around. I was managing them and it was interesting, but he was like, if you really, they, they got locked out of the country with visa stuff. And at that point I was like, what do I do? And, and he's like, look, if this is a life that you want, fine. But if you want something else, he's like, this isn't for you. And I looked around, I was like, you're so right. This is not what I want for myself and my happiness. Like, I want to be creative. I want to have an impact. Um, in, I want to leave some, the world maybe a little bit better than I found it in a way, some way or other, but not at the sacrifice of not being able to have a family or, you know, having to be something other than what I am to survive. So that was excellent advice because it really made me see a different perspective for the industry at that time. And this was before Time's Up and Me Too and all right, of this yeah. stuff, which I think has been phenomenal in changing industries. And even just women coming together now instead of like competing, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we can create our own table. Like, let's not even fight for seats at tables. Let's just do business together. Let's help each other up. There's plenty of work to go around. Mm-hmm. And, um, but this is all new. Like at that time, it wasn't like that, especially in urban music industry. It right. was like really a thing. So that changed my um, perspective and my trajectory in my career. I went, I was like, okay, I'm going back to, I, I, th- I was still doing a lot of art direction, but I started doing more art direction for photo shoots in fashion, uh, not in rather than music and right. more styling and um, brand creation. Because before I was like, I like, I've always liked to create brands mm-hmm. and like, and I was thinking of artists as brands and like lifestyle and the storytelling around very that. ahead of, you know, what now everybody assumes every artist yeah. is a brand. Yeah, yeah. So that was my thing at the time and my pitch and what I wanted to contribute. And, but, um, but yeah, I think it's been an interesting journey to where I am now. And I'm, where I am now is probably exactly where I wanted to be when I was a seven year old. It just took me all this time to get here. <laughs> Well, I mean, at least you're able to to have that. And it sounds like you're kind of getting everything too, because I mean, you're a mom, Mm -hmm. you're married, you you know, you have a family and you're still able to do that. I think, you know, from friends of mine, I can't speak from experience from this, obviously, but like the, the tension of wanting to be the everything mother and when the family person, but also having a career, most people feel that it doesn't really overlap. Like it's very difficult to achieve that. And I think especially in, I don't know, like Western or American society where even now, you know, I have friends and parents and they're like, oh yeah, so she's doing this, right? The the homemaking, I'm kind of air quoting that. Mm -hmm. And, And so it's like you let your dreams die and you try to force yourself to have these new ones, which are some sort of paternal, but at the same time you're sacrificing. It's it's insane. Yeah. And I don't think there's enough um, conversations about that, actually. Yes, women talk about it, 
Um, but even at executive levels, people need to be talking about it. Even And men need to be talking about it to make space and to have understanding for what that is mm-hmm. and really compassion and empathy for it. And then and changing that dynamic because, you know, everything's changing now anyway. Like there's, you know, there's people feel more accepting of this gender fluidity, which is occurring and it's becoming the norm mm-hmm. which i think is going to help break down the roles at home and make those more um, oh yeah you know pe- people at home are just there isn't this set of rules like you're a wife you're a mom you have to do this and you're the dad and you're the husband and you have to do this this and this it's like actually we there's no conditioning like let's remove all of that conditioning yes i understand that there's innate sensibilities yeah which kind of lead us towards certain roles and i'm happy like i love being a mom and it came very natural to me and i'm blessed and you know it was amazing but i also love you know manifesting and creating ideas and developing um and contributing and i think that's i want to do both and well, it sounds like you're doing quite I, the job. I'm doing both now, but I'm like, and it's good for Sailor to see that, that, you know, your daughter. Yeah. yeah. My daughter, Sailor, it's good. It's good for her to see that, you know, mom and dad both work really hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we, you know, Brendan is super hands on father and I'm like super hands on mom. Um, so we are blessed in that way, but it's, it does also stretch us thin because I think here in America, we're so this capitalistic environment yeah and the expectations it's just been so toxic so in one way covid was amazing in helping us slow down Mm -hmm. and rethinking everything and putting things in perspective and wondering what matters and you know like really understanding what matters and what doesn't um but now things are like revving. I never want to go back to how it was before. And I'm wondering how do we continue our life without reverting back to like what it was before? Um, yeah. But yeah, because it's, it is, it's not easy to, to be really present and be a good family member. It's hard. I mean, work. every day I drop off my daughter to daycare and I like I'm walking down the hallway and I get really emotional and I start crying because I'm like, fuck, like, am I a failure because I can't? stay with her and be with her all day when 10 minutes ago and look she's four so she everything is a big deal she doesn't want to wear the sock she wants to wear an orange and a red sock great you know but like I was like I am trying to achieve this dream of whatever it is that I'm doing and I want to and I want to work hard because I want to take care of her I want to give her you know like every parent I want to give her all the things that I didn't have and I want to give her freedom and choice and empowerment and I'm walking down the hall for this daycare that's I can barely afford and it's good, but it, obviously it's never good enough. And I'm just like, I am like a failure. Like I can't do this. And it always helps, especially like talking to someone like you, who at least in my perspective, you, you're, you crushed it. Everything is win, win, win. You know, you're, you're, you're the parent, you're the super parent, but you also have this career and everybody knows you for that. And, and, and like, but being able to do both, I think people totally forget the internal like sacrifice and debate that's made over every decision of, you know, like you, you were saying like being present for your kid. So just sitting there and either like coloring together where I have to take my phone now and I just put it in another room because otherwise, and it's happened too, where my daughter's like, dad, can you put your phone away? Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God. I know. I know. (laughs) Sailor says the same thing to Brendan and I, and it's tricky because sometimes when our phone, just like reading the news sure yeah or whatever, it just, and but, it seems like your attention is just into that device and not where yeah. it needs to be. But there's only so much, like time is the ultimate luxury. And there's only so much time in the day. And then how we manage that time is just, that is the secret sauce. It's yeah. like, and that's the balance and trying to figure that out. And actually, you know, I was just having this conversation yesterday with um, a friend, Nikki. She's in fashion as well. She's a fashion editor. She's um, a person, a woman, a black woman. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's no secret that people of color are suddenly hot and fashionable and everyone's <laughs> trying to make up for their lack of, <laughs> lack of, um, I don't know, oppor- giving opportunities to people of color. And like, there's mm-hmm. been an awakening. So now those, mm-hmm. those of us that are out, they've been working so hard for so long, suddenly we're getting so many opportunities. And there's this moment where it's like, okay, we want to take advantage of these opportunities, but actually we don't have the bandwidth. Mm -hmm. And it's so stressful. And I mean, anyone I think who's just working super hard, we've really got to consider um, our bandwidth and our quality of life, especially like entrepreneurs. Like we have two businesses, I have two businesses and it's like having two babies. 
I think entrepreneurship is over. It's like over, so overrated. Mm. It's like, it's not, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it takes a lot and not everybody's cut out for it. And it, people think that they want it. And actually I think, you know, having a job, you know, you could be a maitre d' or a waiter at a fantastic restaurant for 30 mm -hmm, years, mm -hmm. making good money, have a simple life and you go home and you work on your hobbies. You spend time with your kids. You don't have to think about anything else except living life and enjoying life within your parameters of what you can afford. You can, as long sure. as you can cover your life and not feel stressed or, or sick, that is happiness. That freedom of that mental space, being able to just focus on the stuff that you love and not have to worry about a staff of like 40 people. And right. there's just so much beauty in that. And I am like really like learning that now because I feel like there's all this pressure to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, whoa, actually, that's not the secret to happiness or success. Success is quality time and happiness. That's what success. And if your business is taking all of that away from you, you know, are you really successful? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I always think about, you know, I have some friends that are Japanese and obviously, you know, for them and the, the work ethic is, is, you know, produce and, and constantly work. But uh, a friend of mine, he, he used to work for Takahiro Miyashita in like number nine and he was trying to help him like expand. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Hey, here's all the stuff that we're going to do to, um, to like grow the soloist and we're going to do this and we're going to, and then next year we're going to be in these stores and we're going to do this and we're going to, and he sat there and his English isn't great, but he, his my friend's Japanese is pretty good, and his response was why, and yes. he was like, "Oh shit," because he was just like, "Like what? Why? Like I'm yeah. fine now. I'm making enough stuff now. I don't need fifty other stores. I don't need these other things." And he's like, "I get it," but he's just like, "Explain to me why I should do that." Mm -hmm. And my buddy that was talking to him, he was like, "I didn't have a good answer." Because right. he was, he was like, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm living the life I want to live. I'm making yeah. my art. I'm getting to have this, you know, I don't need to be in all of these things for your happiness. Right. And he's found that sweet spot where yeah. he can survive in that space. Exactly. And that's lucky. And yeah. that's great. And I feel like there's certain years and jobs and, and brands and stuff that just exist right there where it's manageable. Mm -hmm. They found the right balance. I mean, we're trying to still like trying to figure out what that balance is. I think one of the important things... With Noah, you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, with Noah. And even with Dream Awake now, because in the projects that I take on, less is more, actually. Just mm -hmm. bigger projects, which are maybe financially bigger, but mm -hmm. more focused and take longer time, rather than lots of smaller projects, which require way more management. Right. You know, that, and just understanding what that means. Um, because just the management of everything, it even takes the creativity away. So now I'm finally finding a, a great management team and operations and finance to support so I can just focus more on the creative side. But, you know, it's all very challenging. But what I was going back to what I was saying in my conversation last night, and I, th I think just generally a rule for life is just having this, having a vision of what you want and then having the faith that that will come into being. So even now, like worrying about taking opportunities and these opportunities aren't going to last forever. Like we're not always going to, you know, we've got yeah. to strike. You like, have to while say they yes to everything. It may yes. never happen. Yeah. And like strike while the iron's hot and like, you know, we've got to do this, especially like for black people, we're doing this now. We've got oh, to like, yeah. we've got to build and grow and help each other and put the, take all the opportunities. And, but then you're stretching yourself so thin and you're not necessarily so like happy. And maybe it's just time to slow down take on less and have that faith that actually it's okay. That these opportunities are always going to come. Like if you're rooted mm. in a good place, no matter, you know, who you are, or where you come from, if you're rooted in like good intention, if you have in a vision and then it's that faith, that understanding that it's like the seeds of growth, that really that trust that things will manifest around to develop that. It gives you this sense of peace and just confidence. So I don't think I just, have the faith. Right. And that's, that's the key. Yeah. It is because that takes away a lot of the stress. Yeah. You know, in that you're feeling like, okay, we've constantly got to be on the move, looking for the next gig. Like where, where's the next check coming from? Or, yes. You know, and like your expenses get bigger and this gets, <sighs> and everything. It's like a constant flow of you know, people are suffering so badly from anxiety. I'm blessed. I'm like, I don't suffer from anxiety. It's, a, it's like a wow. normal state, I think. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's good because Brendan's the anxious one in our family and I'm just like, doo, 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 doo. Okay, fine. <laughs> like, what are you worried about? It's fine. <laughs> but um, thankfully we have that balance. Um, but yeah, it's just remembering to have that faith. It's like, okay, we can't take this on right now. I don't have to take it all on. We just need to 
slow it down and manage what we can in in an excellent way rather than trying to do too much and like compromising the quality. Yeah, I think too, and especially in something obviously I, I can't relate to, to where you're also, you know, like you were saying, like you're getting this windfall of additional things of people that are trying to be, oh, you're right. We do, you, you know, we, we were neglecting you know, like black women and women and all these things. And so it's like having that in front of you, like knowing that it will keep coming. I mean, that that's... That's well, hoping that it's not a trend. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, that's what people are onto right now. Right. And then are they going to just revert let's back check, to the old the, ways? Let's check the be the uh, diverse it, box or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, we got somebody black to do this job. Okay, great. We, we did our thing. And now let's just go back to our inner circle of friends to do sure. everything. But um, <laughs> so that is like the, the concern. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, so there is this responsibility amongst black women. Um, to kind of keep it going and make sure that it's not just like a cultural or social trend. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are like, okay, while we're here, we need to create, it's about creating opportunities for those that are coming after us too, like working together, mm-hmm. but then keeping in that, bringing those around us along with us and the younger generation along with us. And so we're, it's like, there's this pressure at the moment to, to sort of fulfill that. Um, and keep up that communication and that awareness that we're here, that we exist, that we're talented, and we have something to contribute. And um, and your work also speaks for itself. I mean, right. at the, the, the store we're in, the other projects you've been a part of, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's very beautiful stuff. It, this isn't, yeah, I mean, it, it more than stands on its own. It's, thank, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's like I feel like I don't even quite, I'm just going along and creating. And when I get certain accolades or you know, attention for positive attention for work and stuff that I've done. I'm like, Oh really? Oh, okay, cool. I guess it is okay. Cause you know, you look at yourself and what you're achieving and you're always wanting to evolve sure. and do better. Yeah. And like you look at other people's work, you're like, Oh my God, they're so amazing. They're brilliant. I'm just like so little compared to them. But, um, I guess it's not, it's about just enjoying the process and keep going and yeah. It's been fun. Like now I'm stepping into my power I don't, or into my um, acceptance of, yeah, actually, I, I'm just naturally, this is what I'm supposed to do. It feels good. I feel confident about it. I feel confident about my choices. Right. And it feels good to just not second guess everything anymore and just be, you know, like not understand like, yeah, it's just something that's innate and I need to keep on feeding this talent and this skill and yeah. learning and evolving but feeling more confident about it it's nice to get that affirmation from people that i trust and respect and they're like this is good i'm like okay great i'm gonna keep on keep on doing it do you reward yourself for that like or you just no. you're unaware of your success because you're just heads down i'm not even just heads down i'm just i'm just i'm not necessarily i'm not that person who wants to be in the limelight so much or needs to be like get, i don't thrive from attention that's mm. not what kind of serves me not that there's anything wrong with that like my daughter she's an Aries she's a total performer she and it's just in her and I'm like okay this is who she is and we need to honor that and she loves it and it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just mm-hmm. different to what I am and what Brendan is actually we're like more behind behind the scenes people um so yeah I just I don't know it's it's nice that people appreciate what's been done and, and like it and I like to see people enjoying the space but it's not it doesn't serve me actually at all. I think maybe mm. what serves me in, in, in is more um, just seeing something for myself. I'm like, oh, I like the way this looks. This is beautiful. I just like to be in spaces that feel comforting and beautiful. And that's that's what gives me the motivation just to keep going. On the interiors, like who are some of the people that you that you were looking to that you know inspired you was it artists was it you know that were within the industry or outside or you know in the same way as that i'm not really like looking for that attention right. say i'm not even really looking necessarily to others so much it's more like images or experiences or travel or Right. Yeah, like travel experiences or going to beautiful places that are, and I don't often I don't even know who the designer is. I'm not a historian and I'm not great at that stuff. I'm not. I'm really terrible at remembering names and this and that. It's just much more um, kind of like a journey, a, a creative journey, instinctually of what I'm feeling. Right. And now, after all of these years, I'm like I realize that what I like two years ago 
and I've been really into is that what is coming out and is fashionable now. So that's another like okay, indicator. That's, that's another indicator <laughs> is like, oh, I'm doing the right thing. And that's not just with interiors. That's just almost with like, you know, art directing photo shoots or a mood of what something should feel like and look like. Um, it, so that gives me the confidence of like, okay, this is, I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing because I feel like I'm always a little bit ahead of the curve with trends of what's coming. And that's not just interiors. That's like also a little bit with, with style and fashion. Yeah. You know, friends always tend to like leak copy, not copy, but like are inspired by sure. what I'm, yeah, choices what I've made and then do them. And I'm like, oh yeah. I was like, this is a big trend now. I was into that like two, three years ago. And then, <laughs> then when, by the time it's like a trend, I'm like, I don't like it anymore. Like if I see one more boot clay couch, I'm going to like throw up in my mouth. <laughs> I can't even deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it is interesting, especially with, you know, I mean, from my perspective of clothes, right? And like when you think of the early aughts in kind of the trickle down effect of like trends where, you know, where people were really into like selvage denim and workwear. And and at the time, you know, I, I was living uh I was living in New York, but then I would go to St. Louis, you know, once or twice a year and I would see like other friends, you know, and they were like, oh, I just got into Red Wing boots or I just got into this. And I was like, oh, man, like that was like so long ago. But like with, <laughs> you know, with clothes, it's it's a couple of years or so. But I feel like, well, yeah, with design, like furniture design, you see it big time. Like there's uh what are they, like Togo couches? Mm-hmm. Why, what's, why is everybody obsessed with Togo couches? I mean, it's a big thing right now. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's an icon that's come back for its like yeah. round two of, um, of being on the center stage. Yeah. And I guess it's, you know, there's things that are just good in life period like good music bad music mm-hmm. and and i don't know who the who's who the guards are of what's good and what's not <laughs> it's kind of that's a, also up to interpretation and debate mm-hmm. but um you know that's like that nuance of what makes something kind of good and original or not like that's such an original design it is that's true and it's unique it's special and um I actually don't know the origins of the inspiration for it. Maybe there was a, a Togo couch before there was a Togo couch that that was ins- possible. he was inspired by. Who yeah. knows? But um, it's very unique, and um, yeah, I guess we're just more into that shape and those curves and this kind of like unique silhouette yeah. of, of it. Which and it's an it's like a thing. It's just come back around just to be like a thing, whether you think it's ugly or not. It's like that's a thing right now, and yeah, I, I think that's what happens a lot. With special pieces, same is like like this chair over here. Yeah. Um, see, I'm so bad, I can't even remember the designer, but it's a designer chair. Yeah. But it's kind of at one point I would have thought that it's so ugly, and now at the moment I'm into it. <laughs> I mean, well, it's it's beautiful, and it also at least now my knowledge is is very little, so forgive me. But like the contrast of that in this room, you know, there's a lot of wood tones in the room, yeah, and then you have like you know the chrome. Or the you know stainless steel whatever yeah you know. with the wicker I like the yeah. contrast of the, the stainless the shiny chrome with that wicker design it's like really interesting it's like so modern and then the the curves a little retro but at the same time contemporary because curves are very, very contemporary right now very modern yeah like that's that's a thing that I feel that especially people like you are able to do when like you're designing like like ambience right like I mean ambience that's what it is yeah because there is I mean all of these pieces on their own are beautiful and they stand on their own and they're great but the whole thing together and that's a thing that you know I really I used to be upset by and now I'm like oh it's okay you're just not that's not your skill set just get over it and to where I'm like man being able to see how everything fits in the room and then what it creates because like the lighting in this room we're in the Noah store by the way um, the lighting in this room is insanely good. Throughout, I mean, this entire conversation, the way that you have the blinds, the contrast color of the blinds, yeah. the way that the light creeps in, like every angle in this area is good and light. And also, I mean, the smell in here. Where we have our Noah incense. Is that what it we is? Develop, yeah, it's the Noah incense God. that we developed in Japan. It's a good one. Yeah. And then also we have the candle, the Noah candle, which we also developed. It became classic. Yeah. It's really, it's really good. I'm obsessed with scent. Like, oh, you are. I will. Have you, have you oh, yeah, smelled those? Yeah. They're incredible. The perfumes. There's fully. the Essenzalmente, Essenzalmente Laura. It was like this woman named like Laura Bonatti who she designs the scents for the Vatican. And oh wow! She's got this place out in Rome. I can't take credit for discovering her. Patrick Johnson of P. Johnson like turned me on to her. And yeah, like I'll order her, you know, her uh, dif- diffuser, you know, rods and Amazing. all this. Yeah, and like that's that's the thing. No matter what, no matter what my 
socioeconomic status is in the world, I will spend any and everything I can on scent. And that's so important. It's like <laughs> that experience that you get from the scent, that yeah. happiness yeah. is like so valuable to your everyday life, yeah. to your mental, to your mental health. It, even. No, I'm, I'm serious. Sure. It really is. Like I used to travel. Okay. I'm not trying to like make fun of Aesop, but like, I love Aesop, but like, it's like the status symbol now, but I would have the little ginger flight therapy roll. Mm -hmm. Do you remember this thing? Like Aesop made this little vial that had a little plastic ball in it and you'd rub it on your like palms and it would like make you feel good when you were traveling. Mm -hmm. I'd have to travel to London, like maybe, what was it? Like four or five times a year. And I would always get scared because I'm a clown and I was oh you know and so I would fly virgin and I would get on the, the upstairs in coach of oh, the so double decker so fun where I could get you know and I have my little ginger flight therapy thing and that would like keep me sane for the six and a half seven right. hours on there but like scent is I, scent is one of those it's yeah. an invisible thing that is so powerful and can be so transformative and I think people underestimate the power of the senses and those things and though that those things are really important to me in creating design. But I like to design public spaces more than probably residential. Oh, just okay. because I, I do have a couple of great residential projects. and But more and more, I'm just like, I just want to do hot retail, hospitality, hotels, restaurants. Because it's really fun to create an environment that can be experienced in many different ways. And be changing and experienced differently by different people. But yeah, the scent, the music, mm. the um, obviously the textures and the touch and the feel Mm -hmm. all of those things are all sort of coming to this dance to create this experience which is super important but yeah like I think design often is so not underrated but just people don't know why they like something or why they love something because they can't identify like all the nuances and like layers Mm -hmm. like you said you know even something as rudimentary as like a coffee a coffee mug Mm -hmm. the other day I was like looking for mugs and I do love ceramics, but um, a friend of mine, Teresa, and she's a designer at Dream Awake too, actually. Mugs are really great. And there was like, she's like, oh, she, I was like, I've seen, I saw these rug, these mugs that I like, but they're $60 each. And I just got to get my head around spending $60 on a set each mug because I need a few of them. Yeah, text house. a friend to get the cosign. I get yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and she was just like, she was like, Estelle, she's like, that's good. Is it handmade? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, but these are just like everyday mugs that, for the house. She's like, well, that's the point. You're using it every day. The mm. amount of pleasure that you're going to get from this item, that every time you pick it up and use it, you're going to enjoy it because you love it. So it's so worth it. Like, don't spend the money on something you're going to put in the cupboard. And and I forgot. That's actually like a metaphor for life that I try to do. Like, I remember my mom when growing up, she'd always want to be, she's always conservative with money mm-hmm. and saying, oh, you can't afford that. You can't afford that. And I hated that. And I was like, I'm going to take, I, you know, when I started getting into meditation and understanding manifestation and all those oh, and yeah. how powerful your mind is, I'm like, we can't think broke. We can't think that. Like, we can't be scrimping and saving and that can't be our existence. It's like, if you have champagne in the fridge, drink it. There's going to be more champagne coming. <laughs> you know, like, don't save it. If you've got a really nice dress, wear it to drop off your kid. It's <sighs> okay. Okay, utilize and use the things that you love and beautiful and in, take the enjoyment out of it because you only live once. Tomorrow is not promised. And so with this mug now, so I bought the expensive mug <laughs> and every time I'm like drinking from, you know, make my matcha in the morning at home or the coffee or a latte, I'm just like, I really enjoy that moment and holding this object of design. And right. it gives me that pleasure, the same sort of pleasure that you were saying that you take on the flight when you roll on the scent. <laughs> And that is quality of life. It's true. It's true. (laughs) I I appreciate this. I feel validated here. Because, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the clothes thing because I'm the king of I'll buy clothes. I'll get some really nice stuff that I cared a lot about. And I get it and I hang it up in my closet. And I'm like, okay. And I walk away because I'm too much of a coward to like embrace like just wearing it and what's going to happen if I wear it. Mm -hmm. Like I would even, this is so embarrassing, but I'll admit this. I would get bespoke trousers made and then I would get those trousers copied by a different person so I could wear those and not mess up the bespoke ones. I'm I'm just telling you the truth. I know, but I think that's the mentality of most people and we're all guilty of it in some shape or form. Yeah. Because, I mean, and it's good to sort of understand some boundaries and limitations mm-hmm. and be a little conservative and save some stuff because let's be realistic. It's like, how often are you going to spend thousands of dollars on a suit? And yeah. you don't want to, but at the same time, that suit is going to last you a really long time. Uh-huh. And again, it goes back to that faith 
that there's going to be more suits. Yeah. You know, okay. there's going to be more suits coming your way. If that's what you love mm-hmm. and you like them, they're going to come to you because you're thinking about it and you want it. And through some way or another, they will come to you. <laughs> Trust me. Whether you buy them, whether there's a gifted to them, that's whether true. you consult with a suit, something's going to happen. I just think, yeah, and tomorrow isn't promised. So we do need to enjoy the moment and enjoy these things today. Yeah. Do you feel like, especially after talking with you, do you feel like sometimes your calling is more in the almost like empowerment and inspiration of others than even your design? Like I, yeah. your designs are great. Like I'm not belittling it, but like you're I, very good at this too. <laughs> I do. I do. And sometimes it's really weird. Like I have downloads and it sounds a little bit weird, but I have like mm-hmm. spiritual downloads sometimes where okay. with other people and some people, sometimes it's like with people I barely even know. And it's almost like I've just had this message for them. And it's a little weird. And we'll talk about their life and their career. And I'll be like, blah, 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 blah. You should be doing this. And we're doing that. And blah. And I'm kind of giving them a whole bunch of unsolicited advice. And they're like, wow, thank you for seeing me. And I, and it's like been a bit of an awakening for them somewhat. Oh, man. And it's weird because it's like, it's not even really, it's not about me. It's not even like fully coming from me. Yeah, I, I guess my experience in life and the highs and lows and, and my I, I am spiritual. I'm not religious, but I definitely mm-hmm. believe in the omnipresent mm-hmm. and what that means. And um, so that's kind of been interesting. And it's just happened so much now that I just I'm like, okay, I guess it's just something that's part of me that can happen. And I would like to embrace that a little bit more, um, maybe even in teaching as I get older. I definitely think the teaching or what, whatever that looks like, you know, yes. as, as you evolve and more because, I mean, we've barely talked an hour and I'm like, this is like a counseling session. I feel like I have to pay you <laughs> after we're done. Like, so, uh, okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's, and I don't know, I think maybe some of it's just the vulnerability that you also like are sharing, but I mean, especially now, I mean, and that's even the whole point of this podcast too, where it's like anyone that anyone gets into, they're going to go and immediately start looking that person up. And so right. all of the other things that you've touched and been a part of over your life and career, if it's digital and it's accessible, those people will use that to kind of like learn more about you. Right. But the, the you know the almost firsthand discussion between your your experiences and your perspective on that I, I mean I think that that you know that speaks more than any beautiful room you can mm-hmm. create yeah. yeah I mean it's definitely it's been a journey I am now proudly forty four but age doesn't really mean anything um, I'm kind of grateful for be I feel like I'm a late bloomer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I still have a lot more blooming to do. Um, and I'm grateful for that because I think sometimes when you become successful or you peak too soon, then your whole, you know, you're not mature enough to really understand, like to maintain it. Mm. And it becomes all of this pressure now to maintain like this success. And then that can like drive you a little bit crazy. Whereas now I'm like, right. I have more of a comfortable, like steadfast grounding where I have more of this faith where it's like, it's just this journey and I can pace things out and I can really have, I have, I've spent time developing the skill set. I can know what I'm good at because I've had these experiences and I can just trust in that. I think it's like, not have this pressure to maintain something or keep up with the Joneses or any, all of that sure, stuff. It's yeah, just yeah. different. So, but yeah, it's like enjoying this long journey of of life and where we're going to what what we're comfortable with and understanding what what happiness is and what it's not. Yeah. Has that given you like empathy for your parents? Cuz I feel like as I've gotten older, there was a lot of stuff that I would be frustrated about from my upbringing or my parents and seeing all the different things that one they had no idea what they were doing, but like seeing that like, oh, okay, they were this age when this was happening. I'm like, oh man, I think I might have been a little hard on them. Yeah. Like our parents are just, you know, my mom yeah. passed away, unfortunately, in 2020. In fact, I'm, I'm an sorry. orphan now. All my parent figures, my stepdad, um, my biological father, my dad, dad, who I consider my dad, they're all oh, wow. gone. And my I'm mom, sorry. unfortunately, passed away in 2020, which was a really, you know, it was the final thing of like, and my grandparents who I loved so much, they're gone to my grandmother passed away a couple of years before my mom so now suddenly I am like alone in this world somewhat Mm -hmm. in terms of I'm the grown-up right and not having that um foundational like unconditional love of what what it means to be a parent that you're just so dependent on Mm -hmm. you don't even know you're dependent on it you're just there you just you know 
And then suddenly that's removed and you're like, I didn't even know how much this was my rock that I was standing on because you've just had it since birth. So you don't know any different. And then suddenly that's removed and no one, nothing, nothing prepares you for that because you don't know what it's like to not have it. You've never not had it. And um, even for, you know, we all have crazy relationships with our parents and Mm -hmm, grievances mm -hmm. and stuff. But for those of us that even if you have a strained relationship as a parent, you're a parent now, you know that you love no matter what unconditionally your kid. Mm -hmm. And I feel like most parents do. They just have all their other issues that they project <laughs> on their parents, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's an issue. But um, I mean, I've lost track of your question. I mean, yes, I definitely have empathy for, especially now in losing my parents, Yeah. like what they went through and what they gave me and all the gratitude for what they did. They did what they could in their, way, in their own way. And um, yeah, my mom was battling a lot of things and... I just, I regret not, I mean, at the, I made peace at the end. Sure. That's we good. were always very close. And oh, that's she, great. She, but, you know, we would butt heads a lot. And I felt like towards the end, I was more the parent. Just because mm-hmm. that's na- nature, right? We evolve. It's like the natural progression of things. We're supposed to evolve past our parents. That's mm-hmm. like life. But then we sort of like resent them for that and like get mad at them because like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> maybe we should just be like, okay, this is normal. And that relationship changes as we get older and when we've got something to offer our parents and do that come from a place of love and acceptance and caring and being like, this is life. We're evolving on and mm-hmm. not be so impatient with our parents. And more empathetic to all the issues. Yeah. Jeez. I know that gets like super deep. No, but no. It's, <laughs> I don't mean in a bad way. I mean, you're, you're right. And I mean, it, it's definitely something I think about, especially like seeing my daughter who's like being rebellious, but also seeing what she loves and, and, you know, she loves to color. Like I'm like any parent always says that their kid's like good at something when maybe their kid sucks at it. Like my kid is actually like good at drawing. Like I really, yeah, she like draws unicorns and like she drew me a picture and she's like, this is you daddy. And she like draws little like dots on my head. So where I'm cute. Bald. So she's really creative. Yeah, and it, it's just the greatest thing ever. But it's also, you know, when you see like her like rebelliousness or whatever, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why? I mean, it's insane. <laughs> and it's kind of like we have this responsibility. Like when people say, oh, mini me's, I'm like, I hate that. I'm like, no, oh, she's yeah, not. Mini me. This is not the mini me. I don't want her to be. She wanted her to be. I want, I'm trying to be as open-minded as possible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to allow her to be truly her. And she's very different. Brendan and I and it's really cool and I want to find the right way to educate her and help her blossom in her true like I said she's really into dance and performance and you know not I don't want to push her in any direction based on my upbringing or based on my my beliefs of like yeah you need to be able to read and do math but actually a lot of what we old ways don't serve us at all in Mm -hmm. fact they they're not this doesn't work for a conscious society so we're trying to rethink things mm-hmm. um and even our approach to parenting as long as you've got respect and you have manners i think that's really important like i don't play with that you need to be respectful and have your manners and be yep. able to read and write and then do you like I, I, it's, it's been fun it's a fun experiment that's it's beautiful a- that's really great yeah. um well so thank you thank you so much for this i know your time is valuable and we, we got to go in a minute before we do this is a series of random questions answer that immediately whatever comes to your head there's no wrong answer okay um if you had to make a youtube how-to video what what would it be um a youtube how-to video would be how to um control your mind and manifest okay it would probably be like had to be a series or a a long one but that's that's what i could try to do because most of people can't even sit still for five minutes let alone like you know quieten their thoughts for five minutes yeah and that's really hard. And it's like, how can you control your life if you can't even control your mind? There's a skill to it. And it just takes practice. Everyone can do it, but it just, it takes repetition and practice. Wow. What? Okay. That being said, what is your sort of fortress of solitude? Forgive the Superman reference. Fortress of solitude. Basically, like, where do you go to, like, recharge? Or what do you do? Um, to control your mind, per se. It, yeah, it, it's really nice just to... I love the ocean. I love water. So just be by water is really nice. Or, or just in nature, in a garden. In nature. Just okay. sitting quietly. Um, so no, sitting quietly in, is no phones? This is... No phones, just, like, sitting... And resting my mind mm. in nature. Um, okay. What is a movie, a book, or an album that when somebody mentions, you feel they understand you? Hmm. Oh, my God. 
wow. Um, I don't know. It's <laughs> like, it's this okay. is so many. Like, I love, like, some of the movies that I've seen throughout my life that I love are, like, Heat and oh, okay. um, Life is Beautiful oh. and Pretty Woman and, like, all of some, oh, like... Polar extremes all over there. Exactly. <laughs> They're, like, extremes. Yeah. I know. So it's, like, these are movies that I've watched and I was like, oh, I really like them and I can watch... I don't like to watch movies over and over again like my husband does, but those are movies that I can easy and enjoy watching yeah a few times and then albums like i love like lauren miseducation of lauren hill jill Classic. scott um her first album i love outcast like uh equimini oh wow um yeah i don't know this is and actually those are all kind of one genre but my musical taste is all over the place too so there isn't really one thing mm. i haven't identified one thing that just it's like that's me yet that's good wow um, and then, uh, last thing from someone who's a designer mm-hmm. and you, you, you're around a lot of other creative people. What is one thing that like, say you go to someone's home and you see it in their house. What would that thing be that makes you be like, Oh, this person, uh, they know, they know what they're doing. They, they like design. Um, some often it's like the small little things mm. like, so it's not like an Eames lounge sort of thing. It's no, I mean, cause they're like the obvious things that you can go and get the lounge chair and you're like, okay, Touché. that looks cool. Yeah. And it does. Sure. And it's like nice to have that. But then it's like the um, quality, it's like found things, the quality of some of those things that you might find on travels or do you have the appreciation for a spoon, that wooden spoon? Where is it from? Like, is it your like, you know, your basics or are you taking the time to, um, to kind of buy the quality or the slightly more, it doesn't have to be expensive even, but something, maybe it's handcrafted or like the designed version of the basic stuff. Even the small little things. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Like you were talking about the status soap earlier. <laughs> and now there's a new status soap and all that kind of stuff, which is a thing. Yeah. And um, so that's an interesting thing. It's like those people that care about yeah. how the small thing, the mundane things look like the, like the soap. Like you care about not just how it smells, but how it looks on the side of the sink. Yeah, right. You know, that's, I think, where Aesop killed it because they're just like, it looks great. It smells, I mean, honestly, their smell is phenomenal. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's it's just, you can't, even though it's still a great smell. <laughs> no matter, even if we're bored of it, we can't deny that we just... The resurrection hand soap, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, crazy. But yeah, it's like those small kind of like mundane, like even the coffee mug that I was talking about. It's like taking the tension to invest time into finding the right design of these small little everyday things oh very interesting answer wow thank you very much yeah you're welcome it was Thanks, Jeremy. a huge pleasure to chat with you yeah thanks so much all right we'll do this again soon okay bye, bye. all right that's it for this week's show our show is produced by blamo media we're edited by amar lal and our theme music as always by the mysterious breakmaster cylinder you know, that mysterious individual, wherever they are, making tunes for everybody. If you like what you heard, though, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Do all the stuff you do when you like things. Tell people about it. Follow us on Instagram for all the hot content. And if you want to talk to us and give us your hot take, we'd love to hear from you. By the way, you guys lit up the phone lines the other day, which I think is kind of cool. Um, if you want, leave a message. We're going to put it in a future episode or just email us like, you know, normal people. And uh, you can email us at info at blamopod.com. Last but not least, if you want to hang with us and join the Blam fam, you can visit patreon.com forward slash blamo, where we have tons of exclusive episodes. Now we have exclusive shows in our amazing Slack community. All right. That's it from me. Be safe out there. Stay cool. See ya.